I just so appreciate how the body of Christ works together. Glue, the glue of the body of Christ is the Holy Spirit. Foundation is the love of God. And the Holy Spirit is, does a marvelous job of orchestrating when we come together, and he does a marvelous job of orchestrating your life. Being in a place of leaning upon God and being led by the Spirit, we're people of his presence. We were made, as I started the service, for the praise of his glory. This morning, I want to, I want to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you a few questions. And I believe, well, I know that each one of us need to answer the question. And in that, we'll bring alignment. In answering of the questions that I'm going to ask you this morning, and the information we're going to share out of the Word of God will actually bring alignment if there needs to be an adjustment or a continue of the pursuit that you're already on. And I know I'm speaking a great mystery to you right now. We live in a world, we live right now in a world which, in which success is measured. Success is measured in the world by several different things, wealth of possessions. It's measured by one's accomplishments or fame, have you noticed? It's even measured by your GPA. It's measured by it's measured by your background, your ethnicity, your IQ, your educational degrees, your talent, position, or power. This is how the world measures things. Are you successful? Are you not successful? As Christians, we can buy into this thinking. There's not a th nothing wrong with achieving. But as Christians, we can, we're also tempted to view success as these parameters of the world system, we lose sight, though, that fame and education, these are good things, but fame and education, wealth, beauty, athletic ability, talent, and power can easily be lost. But there are some things that have a long-lasting value, a really long-lasting value. Things like compassion, love, generosity, kindness, sympathy, humility. Hmm. These virtues not only, are, not only measure the greatness of a person, but they also reveal who a person really is. There's a big difference between accumulating things that one day will disappear as opposed to actually storing things for eternity. Can you say amen with me? I want to ask you a question this morning. Have you identified your treasures? Have you identified what you treasure? If you, have, if you were to ask to list five, the five most important things in your life right now, what would they be? The five most important things in your life right now, what would they be? A follow-up question to that would be, let's say, God forbid, your house were to, to catch fire and it was a bad fire and the only thing you could do was you had to quickly take one, maybe two, maybe three things and you had to exit 
for your life out the door of your home, what would you take? What do you treasure? Whatever you chose, those items would reveal something. They would reveal the things you truly value in life. They are the things you hold dear, the things you consider essential to happiness, to survival, to security. What makes you secure? What do you treasure? You see, there are your treasures, and your treasures determine your priorities. They reveal your true ambitions, your attractions, and your affections. They all follow your, what you treasure. Here's the decisive question this morning. Are the things you presently treasure, are the things you presently treasure what they ought to be? Do your treasures have lasting value or not? What would be their value in five or ten years, the things that you value? How many of you remember, I remember a time when I was a kid. I remember a time when I was a kid that I, I wanted this bike. I mean, I wanted that bike. I mean, that bike, it was a 10-speed, never had a 10-speed. I was graduating up. Man, I'm getting a bigger spike. I want, man, I want that 10-speed. And, and Christmas time came, and all of a sudden, I got that 10-speed. And man, it's like, whoa, it's awesome. So excited. And I ran that thing, and I ran that thing, and I ran that thing. I don't, and I, I cherished it. I mean, this is my bike. Well, you know, today I have no clue where that bike is. <laughs> it's a bunch of rust somewhere. There's no tires on it, I'm sure. I think it's probably all melted together, and it's maybe in some of the furniture in this room. I have no clue. That's what things do. They're here today, gone tomorrow. What do you treasure? Are they going to be here five years? What do you value? What do you treasure? Will it be here five or ten years from now or not? That's a good question. Can you say amen? Would their value appreciate or will there be a depreciation? Would a time come when you would lose interest in the things that you presently hold dear? That's a good question. The things that you currently hold dear, is there going to be a time when you lose interest in them? Do you see yourself ever giving them up or exchanging them for something more valuable, something more enduring? In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, and running through the end and the remainder of that chapter, we hear Jesus shift focus from a subject on the subject of hypocrisy and religious practice hypocrisy and religious practice, and he shifts it to the values we hold in life. He explained that worldly values are, a are, are as dangerous as a religious hypocrisy. For unless the object of our lives, our treasure, are based on eternal realities, we stand the risk of losing everything. Let's read Matthew chapter 6, 19 through 21. Very familiar passage. 
Let's read it together. It's up on the screen. You ready? One, two, three. Let's read it out loud. Do not store up for yourselves material treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where three thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where either steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart your wishes, your desires, that on which your life centers will be also. Now, I want to st- I'm going to read this one for you in the passage translation. It says, don't keep hoarding for yourselves earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. Material wealth eventually rust, decays, and loses its value. Instead, stockpile. What? Heavenly treasures for yourselves that what? Cannot be stolen and will never decay or lose their value. With these verses in mind, I want to highlight seven things about treasure this morning. I want you to think about what do you really treasure? First of all, everyone has treasure. Everyone has treasure. Can you say that with me? Everyone has treasure. The implication is that everyone has some, we have treasure, even the poor have it. We all have it. The reason that Christ did not exclude anyone in the matter of of this thing called treasure is because treasures consist more in affections of the heart than in what we can hold in our hands. They're about the affections of your heart. What do you pursue? What is it? Matter of fact, How many of you know you can be poor but have a problem with wealth? You can be rich. We have all these different things that come. It's it's about your internal realities. It's about your attitude about that which you have. It's 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 about what you treasure. So every human being, regardless of their age, statue, gender, ethnicity, educational background, et cetera, considers some things as very valuable in their life. So the question to all of us is, what is it you treasure? And the second question is this, that, what are your treasures? What are treasures? What are treasures? You see, treasures can be tangible or they can be intangible. They can be something that's, I, I, I cherish my, my trumpet. I, I, I treasure that. Or it can be, I treasure the love from my wife. Both of them, one's t- tangible, physical. The other one is an emotion or what I experience. But both are treasures. Can you say amen? They can be held in a hand or stored in the mind. Ah, there's a key. See, a treasure is where you place your affections and your attention. Where you place your affection and your attention is what you treasure. It may be your relationship or possession, reputation, honor, praise, relationships, degree, or time. What do you treasure? Your treasure is what you value value above all things. For example, how many remember the story of Achan? Achan. Achan valued a Babylonian garment and a little silver and gold above what the commands of God. So he took what was banned in the conquering of Jericho. He took it because Achan treasured things more than being obedient 
to the command of God, and he lost everything. On the other hand, the greatest treasure of the greatest treasure for Ananias and Sapphira was the opinion and the glory of men. So therefore, what they treasured, they treasured an amazing reputation. And what they got in return is they lost everything and their life. So I propose to you that your treasure is your attitude toward your possessions. It is whatever you most eagerly strive to attain. It is what you most dread to lose. Is anybody hearing me this morning? The question is this. What is your treasure? What do you deem most valuable? Is it some prized possession, perhaps your physical appearance, an expensive outfit, or an invaluable talent or ability? Or maybe it's a particular circle of friends or desire for attention or longing for recognition for your accomplishments. Is it a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or some kind of relationship that you have or don't have? What do you treasure? How you recognize your treasure is by what you think is most important to you. That which you believe you cannot do without. That which brings you the greatest pleasure and satisfaction. And that which you most think, you think most often about. You begin to understand where your life's treasures are. For as a man thinketh, so is he. You say, Pastor Nolan, we just had this amazing time of worship. We just had this time of the presence of God. Yeah, it brings even more meaning. It brings even more depth as a body when all of us are treasuring him. He is our treasure. I will propose to you that worship that we did earlier today of song and praise when he's not your treasure is one of those things you just kind of go, can we get on with this? Can we just move on from, can we just, hey, I just like the word. Yeah, I do too. But it's a life of worship. It's a lifestyle. It's a heart. It's a passion. It's he is my treasure. All else flows from that. And I would contend and propose to you that without that, life does not flow. You're going to be on a roller coaster ride, and you're going to be at the center of it, screwing up for the wrong passions and desires and treasures that are all away from him. C. 
seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these lesser things, that's the implication, all these things will be added to you. What is it that you treasure? Take a heart inspection. Take a mind inspection. What is it that you're constantly thinking on, dwelling upon, living upon? What is it that you're pursuing? What is it that you, is it God-related? Is it kingdom-related? Or is it all about you? You will find your treasure by taking an examination of, of what you think and then what you do. And what you pursue, what are you hungry for? What do you desire? What turns you off? What turns you on? What is it? What do you treasure? Is anybody still with me this morning? Yes, I want you to know something, that Jesus isn't opposed to treasures. That's number three. Jesus isn't opposed to treasures. When Jesus said, lay up not for yourselves treasures upon the earth, does it mean that it is wrong for a Christian to own or possess things in this world? No, absolutely not. We possess them, but we make sure they don't possess us. We have a heart for the king that will not be turned aside, not for anything. Jesus isn't condemning possessions or ownership or even enjoying what God has provided you in life, nor is he forbidding Christians in any way, shape, or form to save and to store up in resources. It's wise, the future needs. Matter of fact, it says, and it says in uh, Proverbs chapter 6, 6 through 11, the Bible, you can read it later, Proverbs 6, 6 through 11, it talks about the ant storing up as an analogy of what we should do. We should, we should be people who work and we work hard. And thank God, because Devin, he's working, he, but he's not just getting a promotion because Oh, we think you look great. No, he's getting a promotion because he's a hard, stinking worker. And he's doing it with all of his might as unto the Lord. That's honorable. That's what we should do. And God says that's a good thing. And there's another passage that Paul declares. He says in, uh, it's in 1 Timothy chapter 5, 8, that we're not to neglect the providing for our family. That's biblical. It's good. It's a wise thing to do. But treasures are not necessarily evil in themselves. What Jesus was warning against is the improper value that we placed on the treasures, realizing that is what ties us to the world, that we list, when we, when we put the, all of our hope in that, in that, in the world system or in the things, we have a, uh, there's an improper, there can become an improper balance. And he says, don't let that happen because it's better not to gain the whole world and then lose your soul. It's an attention to treasure. Number four is some treasures we are not to treasure. Some treasures we're not to treasure them. Jesus warned against preoccupation with anything that could be destroyed. Don't be preoccupied with that stuff. You know there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Guess what happens? <sighs> You may have it, and you may even last after you die, but somewhere along the way it's going to go. There's going to be a creation of a new heaven and a new earth. We're going to rule and reign with Jesus for all eternity. There's going to be a cleansing. There's going to be a cleaning. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. 
I don't know how all that's going to happen. I just trust him. His word says it's going to happen. My job is to live with him, stay with him. How many of you know, let me just tell you, let me give you a clue. These treasures are temporary. Everything you're working for, yes, they're important, but don't let them rule your life. Let the king of kings rule your life, because until he's king of your heart, he, you cannot bring the kingdom. The kingdom comes through a king sitting on the throne of your heart. Until then, the kingdom cannot come through you. You bring a mixed message that people don't understand. Wait, are you serving God today? Or are you serving the world? We don't need to bring a mixed message. We need to bring a crystal clear, boom, this is who I am. This is what I do. As for me and my house, I serve the Lord. He is my treasure. Amen. You see, in Bible times, we talk about Jesus warned against preoccupation with anything that can be destroyed, so we're not to treasure anything that would not last. And this is brought to light when Jesus referenced moth, rust, and what? Moth, rust, and thieves. You see, you can see in Bible times, it's very important to have things. It was a commodities or tangible things, gold and silver, clothing, um, goods, grains, Precious metals. Wealth was stored and measured by how much you literally had of those things. You're wealthy. Wow. Look at that. Poof. He's more wealthy. Poof. Oh my goodness. Wow. It was measurable. And so, matter of fact, you remember Elisha's servant. How many remember Elisha's servants, servant Gehazi in 2 Kings chapter 5? Gehazi wanted to make a profit when Naaman was cured of leprosy, so he asked Naaman for a talent of silver and two changes of garments because that was a substantial wealth. It was tangible. It was like, I, I, I want to I, I be wealthy. The third commodity, the third commodity they put uh, their treasure into was gold or precious metal. But how do you hide it? You, you hide it somewhere in your home. But guess what happens? People know there, there's, this guy's got gold. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to take it. When he's off on some trip, I'm going to go in there and dig it up. I don't know where it is, but I'm going to find it, and I'm going to steal it. So Jesus said, look, you got look, to look where your treasure is. What is it that you treasure? There's some treasures you're not to treasure. The reality is, is you can lose your wealth. You can lose talents and health overnight. In this world, you can lose talent. I used to be talented in that. I, I don't quite got that anymore. Right. <laughs> Man, I used to be, I used to be this physical juggernaut. I used to be able to do it today, man. I can barely walk in the room. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying me, but I'm just talking about people. I was pretty good at sports. I still can hit a drive once in a while couple 300-yard drives once in a while. But I don't hit, I don't do stuff. I pay a price for that now. I like, I'll get this and go, and oh, after the round, <laughs> I'm doing this number right. Because <laughs> my right knee actually needs to be replaced, but God's actually bringing healing to it. I can feel it. 
So standing for worship and then standing and preaching, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to that other worship leader showing up. But let me just say this. The things that we're great at today, we may not be great about tomorrow. The things that we have in our hands, we may not have them tomorrow. Why? Because they're things. They're related on something physical or they're related on something that's um, some kind of metal or something. Moth, rust, kill, destroy. It's gone. Here today, gone tomorrow. But there are, number five, there are treasures to treasure. There are those to treasure. I alluded to them at the beginning this morning. The kind of treasure to treasure is determined by its ultimate destiny. Notice that Jesus, Jesus explains there's two destinies for treasure, on earth and in heaven. There's only two. It's either going to be tied to earth or it's going to be tied to heaven. Which one? The first one, treasures on earth, is centered, as we talked about, on earthly and that which finds its value only in relationships into this world. It relates to the world. It points to things that can be stolen or will pass away. On the other hand, treasures in heaven. I also alluded to them. They cannot be destroyed. They cannot be affected by any act of sin or consequence of the fall. They point to the things that have a lasting value. They go beyond the grave and remain forever. Our brain, how many of you have a problem thinking about forever? Let's be honest, I do. Forever? How long is forever? You see what we, we try and put a connotation to it? How long is forever, Peggy? It's, it's forever. Wait, wait, let's quantify it. Let's, no, you can't quantify it. Now think about this. You have, I'm just, it's related, but it's off my notes, but what you, you only have one shot at this life. Turn to somebody and say, you got one shot. You don't have two. You can't relive this life. I'm sorry, you're not gonna be incarnated as another person. That's rubbish, that's a bunch of baloney. I have a few other words for it, but I, I'm not going to say it. It's garbage. You got one shot. And the Bible says it is meant for each person to die once. Here's the thing. You have one shot. One shot. What are you doing with it? Where's your treasure? Where's your attention? What are you pursuing? Because as sure as I'm standing here before you, you will stand by yourself before God. If that scares you, let it scare you. It should, especially if your treasures are everything but him. I'd hate to show up at God and say, hey, remember me? He goes, no, I never knew you who are you you have one shot to accumulate heavenly rewards that will last for eternity you can also show up empty handed it's possible the Bible says to show up and everything you Everything, you go, here is what I have for you, God. And, it, and he stands, and, he, and it, before his purifying fire, his holy fire just goes. Whoosh. 
but yet you're saved, but there's nothing going with you and there's nothing to receive. Just you. Welcome to the heavenly street sweeper. <laughs> okay, that's my own French. But if you have nothing, you have no rewards except you get to go into eternity, that's cool. But how many want to take and have something waiting for you? How many want to bring some people with you? How many want to make a difference that the king says, well done? Or do you just want to show up? Really? The God who made you out of nothing? You're just going to show up? Here I am. Do whatever I want all my life. Thank you for saving me. Good night. That's scary. Somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way, you've got to shift. I've got to shift to what I treasure him the most. treasures that we lay up in heaven are imperishable. No fire or flood can destroy it. No thief can despoil it. No moth, no moth or rust can corrupt it, for it is in the keeping of God. The Apostle Paul gives us a clear explanation of the right kind of treasures in 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. As he says, charge the rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. He offering to us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to share, to be generous, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. Amen. Whew. Thank you, God, for your word. The way to laying up treasures in heaven is to develop Christ-like character. The gifts of the Spirit rest on the fruit of the Spirit. I said the gifts of the Spirit, they rest on those who carry the fruit of the Spirit. In 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, we know this well that in the Bible, you know, as we develop Christian character, we're talking about enhancing our life through our communion with the Father on a daily basis, walking with the Holy Spirit, praying in devotions, applying to the Word, meditating on the Word, and then not just meditating it, but be a doer of the Word we're meditating. And therefore, I loved what Devin did this morning. Uh, he's been through our Master Life program, which we're looking to have another Master Life class in the future if you want to be a part of it. But it's an in-depth nine-week, nine-month, it's an in-depth nine-month course on taking you for those who, I'm telling you, there's a price. Is there a price to, be, to go through Master Life? How many Master Lifers do we have in the room this morning? Raise your hand. Was it easy? Did you want to quit sometimes? <laughs> Did it have great accountability? Was it hard accountability sometimes? 
Are you stronger today because you went through it? Are you a man or woman of God that you weren't today because you went through it yesterday? Master life. Who's the master of your life? It's an intense discipleship training, equipping class. But I say that to say that we are to apply, we are to be responsible, we are to show your study to show yourself approved. And I appreciate because I don't know how many passages did you memorize going through Master Life? You can't even tell me. 80 passages? Memorized. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why he was rolling that off this morning. Meditating, chewing on it. And, it, and the Bible says when we meditate on the word of God day and night, we shall be like trees planted by the water that beareth much fruit. The Bible says you're going to know them. If they're real followers of Christ, you're going to know them. Are they fruitful? You'll know if they treasure him. Their life will bear fruit. Anybody still with me this morning? All right. We're going to finish this. I was going back to, to say that character development is enhanced by activities, spending time in the Lord. It's applying ourselves. It's praying. It's encouraging one another, encouraging others. It's about faith, hope, and love. And it's abiding in the Father. The interesting thing is that the way, get this church, the way to avoid treasuring up treasures upon the earth is to treasure up treasures in heaven by developing a Christ-like character, maintaining a personal relationship with Christ through personal devotions and witnessing. Number six, the heart follows the treasure. The heart always follows the treasure. The most powerful reason that Jesus declares for storing up treasure in heaven is found in verse 21 of Matthew chapter 6. He indicates that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The word heart is used for the whole inner man. In other words, the core of our inner being, the wellspring of all that we do. So when Jesus speaks of where your treasure is, he means that the whole of our being is wrapped into our treasure. The whole of our being is wrapped into our treasures. Our hearts will be open our hearts will be upon what we treasure most. In other words, where we invest our treasure will determine where we set our affections. I'm going to say that again. Where we what? Where we invest our treasure will determine where we set our affections. Let me just tell you this way. It's not so much that our treasure follows our hearts as it is that our hearts follow our treasure. Where your treasure is reveals your values. It reveals you what you esteem. That's what, that's what you will love and how you, affection that you will be towards that. In Colossians 3, 2, that where your desires and pursuits go and then becomes your life's focus and your intent and all is done with that in view. 
In other words, what we invest in, we are committed to. The things we treasure actually govern our lives. What we value occupies our minds and grips our emotions. It is the theme and the content of our conversation. It consumes our time with planning, daydreaming, and energy to achieve. For where your treasure is, your heart's going to be there. I'm going to ask you another question again, again. No, same question. Where's your treasure today? What do you treasure? Is it eternal? Or is, is it prone to fade during time? How many of you know you can be just outstandingly beautiful or amazingly handsome, and then 40 years down the road, you're going, not so much. <laughs> mm. Not so much the man anymore. <laughs> mm. Man. So what is the obvious point and decision of what we must do? I've already alluded to it many times before point seven. Choose your treasure true choose your treasure wisely. Wisely. Twice, Jesus urged us by saying, lay up for yourselves treasure. It implies choice on a personal level. Every one of you, every one of us has the ability to choose. No one can make the statement or the choice for another person, and each one of us has to make it ourselves and be held accountable for it. There's no room for excuses like, I had no choice. Or, I was forced against my will. Or, I was born that way. Or, the devil made me do it. None of that's going to wash. You have the choice. No one can make the choice for you but you. The decisive question is, what treasures are we choosing? Are we making efforts towards developing Christ-like eternity, Christ-like character that will last for eternity? Are we from that character flowing out and, and the love of God just encompassing us and we walk in that and our heart is softened and we move in compassion on, on humanity that doesn't know Jesus and who are bound for hell? Because the Bible says unless we tell them, who's going to tell them? It all flows with what you treasure. What are you storing up? If we value eternal life, then we shall spend a considerable amount of time with our Father and loving, serving Him, and as we develop His matchless character within our life. Every day, men and women of God, every single day, we should look more like Him than we did yesterday. Do we fall short of that? Got the t-shirt. I'd show it to you, but I don't have it on today. Didn't wear that t-shirt, but I got that t-shirt. The reality is, is we may skip a beat on a day or we may miss a week, but our pursuit we do not lose focus of the goal of the high prize of the calling of God upon our life.
I don't believe, excuse me, I do believe, I do believe our time is shorter today than ever before in history. Obviously, time flows. We begin to get closer to that eternity when Jesus says, God says to Jesus, let's go, let's do this. Let's close this section of the church, let's bring the church up, and let's move on into this thing called eternity. That is a real deal, folks. This is not time to play games. This is not time to go, I'm not sure I'm gonna serve God today, maybe next week. One of these days, I'll, I'll be serious about God and I'll treasure him, but I got other treasures I'm focusing on at the moment. Here you go. Let me, get, let me hand you the dice, because you're already rolling them. Seriously, folks. You're rolling the dice and hoping it's the right number. It says in Mark chapter 12, verse 30, it says, you are to love the Lord Yahweh, your God, with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being and every thought that is within you and with all your strength, this is the great and supreme commandment. I don't hear any wishy-washiness in that commandment, do you? You shall with all. Yeah, but you know what? Um, I'm hurt and people hurt me and Life sucks, and I'm just not going to serve God because, really? That's your answer? I'm not making fun of your situation. Just let the God who can heal and fix anything fix you. Amen. Leave your stuff at the foot of the cross and take up your cross, your daily devotional life, your daily applied life in the spirit and achieve what God wants you to achieve. There's so many people in church that walk in yesterday that they can't see their tomorrow. They read through their back lens. They keep looking through the rear view mirror and trying to drive straight. It just doesn't work. Anybody still with me this morning? I met, I've met so many people. I used to go to church. Yeah, I don't do that anymore. I mean, stuff happens. How many, how many could raise your hand and say somewhere in church life stuff has happened to you? Raise your hand. I mean, you've been hurt through a relationship that meant a lot to you in church. Why? I'm not saying, why did you get hurt? I'm saying, why? Because we're all, at times, get it absolutely wrong. It's not what happens to you, it's what happens inside you. Because the Bible says, in the last days, many will be offended. It's not what happens to you, it's how you internalize it. It's what you process it through. And you then lose focus of what you treasure because you're thinking, I've got to have man's approval. And no, you don't. You've got to have God and God alone. Yes, we are to learn to be in the body. 
you don't flee when you're having trouble in the body. No, you bring in the culture of honor, which says, let's talk. Well, I'm just going to leave. I'm going to go to another church and screw it up, too. Because the problem is in your head. The problem's in your broken heart. Okay, so I'm going to finish this message. Because until you get healing, you're just carrying, you're a carrier of dysfunction. It may not come up right away. Oh, it'll come up though. So let God bring healing to you. Anybody hungry for the Lord? Uh, <laughs> Kathy's donut buffet will be waiting for you. But just chew on this word, last word. <laughs> Proverbs 4.23. So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from the f there flows the wellspring of life. Listen, what does that mean, guard? You see, our heart, our feelings of love and desire dictates to great extent how we live because we will always find time to do what we enjoy. Solomon tells us, though, to guard our hearts above all else, making sure what that we concentrate on those desires that will keep us on the right path. Make sure your affection will lead you into the right direction. In other words, listen, church, put boundaries on your desires. Right. Oh, don't just let them go. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. Self-control. Fruit of the Spirit. You're not out of control when the Holy Spirit is in your life. No, 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 no. You're in control. Self-control. Do not pursue desires, emotions that are outside of what the Word of God says to do. Put barriers, boundaries. Oh, no, 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 can't go there. Don't go after everything you see, but instead look straight ahead. Keep your eyes fixed on your goal. Don't get sidetracked on detours that lead and head to sin. You have a choice. Philippians 4.8. Finally, believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. And then the Amplified says, center your mind on them and implant them in where? Your heart. Come on. Let's stand together. Let's stand. You receive this word this morning. Shout amen. Hallelujah.
John chapter 15, verse 4, Jesus says, Remain in me, and I'll remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. And then it says in verse 7, If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, that is, if we are vitally united and my message lives in where? Your heart. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Yeah. You know, I was thinking, and I, God and I were having a conversation this last week on a couple of mornings. And let me tell you something. There's some things I want to do for him. They don't have my name on it. They do, but they don't. I want to see them done. Oh, my goodness. Visions he's given me. I have more vision than I have people or money. I carry a lot of vision. But God says, you know what, Nolan? He says, I love those ideas. I'm working on them. I just want to make sure. And I, this is what I heard the Lord say. Give them to me. Give them back to me. Make sure I'm at the center of your heart. And I'll give them back to you. <laughs> Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Does he have all your heart? Does he? You have a choice. If you're away from God this morning and you're like, you're in left field and God's in right, Today's your day. You guys can get on the same plane. Get back. The Bible says if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1 9. If you've been diverted into other paths and your emotions have taken you somewhere, let me tell you something. We deal with people all the time that have been wrecked. I mean wrecked by life. Wrecked. But we see miracle after miracle. Miracle after miracle. Why? Because they get in the presence of God and God brings alignment. Man, we love you. We want to see you excel in wherever God's called you to be. Excel in the house, excel in the community, excel in the world to bring the kingdom of God. And that'll happen when your heart is yielded to the Father. Treasures, my treasures are there with you, Father. So wherever, listen, wherever you've been distracted, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Lay them back at the feet of Jesus and stand up whole in your heart for the King. Does that mean, we've already talked about, it doesn't mean an absence of things. It doesn't mean the absence of stuff. And, you know, because it takes money to do vision. But when God gives it to you, when you produce it, and God gives you the power to create wealth, it's going to go out of your hands and not remain in your bank account. Does that make sense? It's going to go where your heart and your treasure is, kingdom. And then guess what happens? Dude, I got... What do you want me to do with this? Give it over here. Develop this. 
create that, build this. Big difference from gimme, gimme. All right, you get my point? Everybody get my point. So when he has your heart, he has your pocketbook, but that's not a sermon about pocketbook, but it is a sermon about pocketbook. Does he have you? That's the question. So, Father, in this place this morning, we just set our hearts and our minds before you, and Holy Spirit, reveal to us some of you've already been revealing throughout this message, and you highlighted things that you want them to change. I pray that, Father, they will walk in obedience by your Spirit to change. Eternity and eternal rewards are at stake. I pray in Jesus' name, and those who are away from you right now, I'm going to ask our prayer team to come, our ministry team to come. Just come forward right now. And if you're away from God, you need Jesus back in your heart, sure, you can make that prayer and walk out of here. That's cool. I just encourage you to confirm that with one of our team and let them know what's going on. So, Father, in this place today, I pray amazing amount of your presence is here and just healing would just flow through hearts and lives. Father, that we will leave our yesterday and step into to our future with you. Father, I pray that, Lord, whatever our distraction is, we'd be distracted longer. I pray for single focusness, focus, a single focus purpose that has you in the forefront of loving you with all in Jesus' name. May we not be hearer of this word and do nothing about it. For even if we're pursuing you, what we believe is for all of our hearts, may we check that again before we leave and say, Father, I'm just telling you again, you've got all of me. Send me where you want me to go. <clears throat> I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say, because I'm yours and you are mine in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I like this song. I will build my hope in you, O God. You are my sure foundation and I as you go. If you need help, you need prayer, come. Our team's ready.